Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Monday the 11th of November. Coming up, man jailed for bringing 60 guns into Dover. We know that these firearms are favoured by criminals who like to secrete them on their person. Without doubt, they'd be used to threaten, injure, maim or even kill. Parking charges could go up in Canterbury. I've got real fears that this is going to cause problems for our shops and our retail part of the city, which is absolutely vital to our economy and heaven knows they're struggling enough at the moment. And Dover through to second round of FA Cup. Wonderful day, wonderful finish to the game. Great goal. Uh, Deserved to win. Um, Over the 90 minutes, I felt we uh, probably should have scored more. I thought they were excellent from start to finish. Kent Online News. A man who was found with 60 guns in his car at the port of Dover has been sentenced to nine years in prison. Robert Keogh from County Meath in the Republic of Ireland told Border Force officers who stopped him in August he had just been driving around on his way back from Europe. It's thought to have been the largest seizure of lethal weapons at a UK port. The 37-year-old previously admitted illegally importing firearms. We've been getting reaction from the National Crime Agency. It's Martin Huxley. My role is branch commander for National Crime Agency. Just tell us about kind of what we get out of this sentencing and how kind of what your views are on that sentencing as well. So the sentencing of uh, Robert Keogh today has uh, acknowledged and taken into account his guilty plea and his role within this what I call an organised criminal network and uh, their criminal enterprise. So um, clearly the recovery of 60 firearms from his vehicle which he was driving imported into the United Kingdom is a significant disruption for an organised crime group. Um, I'm really pleased and uh, I suppose we're all relieved of the, the recovery and the consequences that could have happened had these firearms reached uh, you know, into the streets of the United Kingdom. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that um, preventing them um, being distributed amongst criminal uh, gangs uh, has saved uh, people's lives, safety. We know that these firearms are favoured by criminals who like to secrete them on their person. Without doubt they'd be used to threaten, injure, maim or even kill. These were firearms that had been modified, originally blank firing, firing up firearms, handguns, uh, modified to fire live ammunition. So um, very, very relieved that it's a good, significant find by the Border Force, uh, working with National Crime Agency to achieve this conviction today. And just in terms of kind of how rare this is, you say 60 firearms, so that might seem like quite a massive amount. How rare is it to kind of get a, a haul that big? Well, 60 firearms, uh, what I term as lethal barreled firearms, so which when I say that I'm talking about uh, live firing handguns, this is the largest seizure in a, a UK port um, that I'm aware of. So it's quite significant. And so just finally, can you tell us about the kind of threat that that could have posed? Obviously, you know, sometimes these lines go straight into London, but right here in the county as well. Yeah, so clearly these firearms came through um, Port of Dover, uh, which, um, you know, potentially could have been distributed anywhere throughout the United Kingdom. We know that firearms are preferred uh, by criminals because uh, handguns can be um, concealed on one's person. We know that there's close links to drugs uh, with firearms uh, and obviously coercive, um, threatened force for people to commit crime as well. So, um, you know, taking 60 firearms off the streets, uh, you know, I'm absolutely convinced we'll keep our communities safe that we're so dedicated to protect. So if I can actually just say finally then, so what kind of message does this send out then to potentially, you know, other people getting involved in criminality and things like that? Is this kind of like a start warning from you guys? 
Well, for me, it's anyone who gets involved in any type of criminality to think about the consequences. Um, I'm sure that Robert Keogh, deep-hearted, must be relieved that we've actually recovered 60 firearms that he would have been responsible for bringing into the United Kingdom. So my message would be whatever criminality one gets involved in, think about the consequences. There's always a person at the end of every type of criminality. Kent Online reports. Two people have appeared in court and pleaded not guilty to the murder of a man in a Dover graveyard. 47-year-old Claire Lunn and 37-year-old Justin Burnett, neither of whom had a permanent address, are accused of killing a 55-year-old man. He was found dead at Cowgate Cemetery in Albany Place last month. The pair have been remanded in custody and are due to go on trial next March. Elsewhere, two people have been arrested after a man in his 40s died in a crash in Dover. It happened on Frith Road on Saturday evening and a vehicle believed to have been involved in the collision was found abandoned near the allotments in Astley Avenue. A 31-year-old man and 30-year-old woman are being held on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving. A woman's been jailed for six months after a group of people stole £5,000 worth of jewellery from a shop in her Bay. They took an expensive necklace and bracelet from Craybrooks in William Street early this year after pretending they were leaving the store to withdraw more cash. 27-year-old Claudia Rostus, who lives in Rotherham, was arrested following a nationwide search for the thieves. Now, with the election campaigning well underway, a former British Army officer who's hoping to retain his seat as MP for Tunbridge and Mauling is supporting the Conservatives' promise to do more for military personnel. To mark Armistice Day, Boris Johnson has pledged to change the law to protect veterans from legal action. Tory candidate Tom Tugendhat has been giving his thoughts on Sky News. I think it's important to see what's most important here, because for those of us who've uh, been proud enough and lucky enough to, to serve uh, our country in uniform, the key thing to do is to focus on what the job is. And the job is, of course, to protect the nation. And one of the things that is undermining uh, that ability is the fact that after a conflict, or sometimes even during a conflict, people who have tried and failed to kill you on the battlefield can then have a go at you uh, through our courts. And that's why the first thing I did when I left uh, the armed forces in 2013 was to write a paper for policy exchange uh, about the fog of law, as we called it. The fog of law is that legal intervention in the battlefield, that legal mission creep that we've seen that started really in Kosovo and uh, has got particularly bad in Iraq. Northern Ireland is a bit different because Northern Ireland, of course, is part of the United Kingdom. Professor Richard Eakins, who's uh, really the originator of these I ideas, uh, is a very interesting uh, legal professor at uh, Oxford or Cambridge. I can't remember which, I should know. Um, and he has, um, he has pointed out very well that there are ways in which you can say, look, after an inquiry has happened, and in fact in several cases has happened many times, there gets a point where actually you're no longer advancing the cause of justice by having another inquiry. What oh. you're actually doing is you're using the law as a weapon to punish. It's true that it is uh, Im almost impossible to do retrospective legislation, and indeed one should be extremely careful of doing it. And I think there are very, very good rules that soldiers should obey, and when they break them, should be prosecuted for. And those are called the laws of armed conflict, commonly known as the Geneva Conventions, mm. or Geneva Protocols. And I think those laws are the laws that everybody understands. And those are 
if you like, the international rules of war. What we're talking about here is something different. What we're talking about here is the spread of so-called human rights legislation. So the, the law that is really there to make sure that you don't get electrocuted in your flat by bad engineering or that the police uh, don't harm you in a civil uh, and peaceful demonstration. Those rules, the, the laws, as it were, for a civilian circumstance are not applied to uh, a military operation. I entirely support uh, what uh, Anne-Marie Trevelyan has done as uh, yeah. Defence Minister in charge of logistics organisation in improving the housing of service personnel over the, last, uh, over the last few months and the work that she's planning to do. And look, one of the things that um, I've always felt is that the soldiers uh, that we employ, that we ask to do extraordinary things around the world, should be properly paid. And that's why I'm very glad that the increment system, so soldiers over, over the years get an increment, not just a yeah. pay rise, if you like, um, that allows them to uh, progress even when they're in the same rank. I think it's hugely important. But, you know, we should recognise that we look after our soldiers well, but we could always do better. I think the other, the other really important thing, frankly, is we need to increase the size of our armed forces. One of the things that we, we are talking about at the moment and talking about all the time is, you know, our, our position in, in the world. And we're talking about it through Brexit, we're talking about it through Russia, we're talking about it through China. But all of that positioning only works if you invest in your foreign affairs, of course, so your diplomats and your, uh, and, and your ambassadors, but also in your military, because the soft power achieved by having, for example, a carrier battle group going to sea uh, in places like the South China Seas or perhaps uh, the South Atlantic is hugely important. And the training teams that the British Army, uh, Royal Air Force and Royal Navy conduct yeah around the world have a massive effect. For their election promise, Labour want to improve working conditions for the armed forces, including better housing. Kent Online News. Police are investigating after fireworks were thrown from a vehicle at people in Medway. It happened on Strood High Street on Saturday night. Officers are keen to speak to anyone with information. Former Kent landlord Fergus Wilson's been convicted of racially abusing a traffic warden. The 71-year-old multi-millionaire's rant was captured by the enforcement officer's body cam as she was issuing him with a parking ticket in Maidstone in April 2018. He's been ordered to pay £650 in costs and will be sentenced at a later date, but says he will appeal. An animal charity's investigating after a dog was found dead in a ditch with her microchip removed in West Malling. The tan-coloured French bulldog was discovered near the George pub in Trosley and taken to a vet in Snodland. The RSPCA are keen to speak to anyone with information. You could soon have to pay more for parking in Canterbury as bosses look to boost income and improve air quality. The suggested price hike would see drivers paying £2.40 per hour to park in the city in the hopes of encouraging more of us to use public transport instead. The council say the idea is driven by the climate change agenda, but the extra cash is also needed to maintain essential frontline services. The councillor Nick Eden-Green says it hasn't been thought through properly. I suspect it's going to be unwelcome news for an awful lot of other people who come here to shop uh, and to spend their time in the city. I've got real fears that this is going to cause problems for our shops and our retail part of the city which is absolutely vital to our economy and heaven knows they're struggling enough at the moment. They're actually selling off some of the car parks so they're actually selling off the very cow that brings them in the money. It, it's, it's a crazy idea. We've also been finding out what people in the city think of the idea. Two pound, ten pence, and I think it's too much, yeah. yeah especially as I'm a blue badge holder. To me, any, the idea of a blue badge is you don't pay at all. 
not, not like subsidise them all the time. If I get a bus into Canterbury from Whitstable, it costs me £7, which is a lot of money to get a bus. If the buses were cheaper, that'd be great. And, but also they've taken all the off-street parking, they've put parking metres. I don't know all the different bus routes and train routes, but certainly uh, wh where I live, you know, this is the nearest big shopping centre and I just wouldn't be able to get in on public transport. The plans are due to be discussed at a meeting this week. Kent Online reports. At kentonline.co.uk you can see pictures of what a new film and TV studio in Kent could look like. A full planning application has been submitted for the £150 million development at the old Newtown Railway Works in Ashford, as well as filming space, post-production offices and workshops. There would also be an 18-storey hotel, which would be the town's tallest building, 300 flats and a huge car park. We're being warned to be careful when using candles after one started a fire at a house in Gravesend. Emergency crews were called to Rose Avenue late last night and two people were treated for the effects of breathing in smoke. A company that runs activity breaks for children in Swale is desperately trying to find a new base. Creed Outdoor Learning have been given until the end of the month to move from their current site at Sittingbourne, Milton and District Scouts in Bredgar, where they've been for the last six years. They're looking for somewhere with around five acres of grass or woodland. Kent Online Showbiz. Dua Lipa's been chatting to KMFM about her new song Don't Start Now. The 24-year-old's been on breakfast with Gary and Laura. We're thrilled that you're, you're here and you're back and where you've been flying the flag already uh, for yeah. the country as you fly <laughs> overseas and, and to return in such style um, at the uh, MTVs. That oh, was yes. quite a thing, wasn't it? Thank you. Thank you so much. It, I was, it was definitely my, my favourite performance that I've done. So far, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of it. So I'm glad you guys liked it. Yeah. You were like there with your whole squad, your yeah. whole girl oh, yeah. gang. I loved it. Oh yeah. Do you take all those gals with you? Basically, we had thirty girls in in um, London, and then we had thirty girls in Spain. And so then we had to once we rehearsed with all the London girls while I was in London. Then the girls went off to Spain to go and rehearse with the girls in Spain. And so it was like a whole thing. Um, and then I joined them all in Spain, but I, I had a little bit more work to do in London because obviously it was like release week, so it was quite hectic. But um, Do you have anxiety dreams before you go and do such a momentous performance? I don't know about anxiety dreaming. I feel I, I get quite nervous, but I, I just felt really confident in the song. I felt confident in my routine. I felt confident in the whole like process of it, so I was just like, cross your fingers and toes and hope for the best. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so uh, the song is Don't Start Now. So we're wondering about, you know, about starting things, obviously, from the lyrics of the song. What things should we start and when is what we're wondering about. So first of all, Christmas shopping, do oh. Is that a start now or a don't start now? I'm definitely a pre-planner. Um, so I like to think about things in advance. It really kind of depends. I, I've known people to do their Christmas shopping the night before. Um, but that for me is way too risky. <laughs> no, so I, no. It really depends what, what, what you're planning on getting. But I would say kind of end of November is a good time. Okay, okay. so not yet, but well ahead of mm. panic stations anyway. Yes. Uh, what about when you start 
Do you have a routine for the heating? Laura's very strict with her heating at home, the central oh, yeah. heating on and off. Mm -hmm. uh, are you strict? Is there a time to start now or don't start now with central heating? Start now yes. on that. Yeah. I'm freezing. <laughs> Anytime. Keep it cosy for Anytime. me. Anytime. Keep it cosy, right. always. Yeah, first of October onwards for me, definitely. Um, okay, what about writing your Brit Award acceptance speech oh. for 2020? Mm. Surely you're going to be picking up at least one. Mm. Oh my God, stop. Don't start now. <laughs> <laughs> that Not I won't yet. be. No, 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 no. I can't. I, I couldn't even. I, I, I'd just be happy if, if I got the chance to be on that stage again I'm, I, I'd be super grateful but I'm definitely not starting to think no, about anything. not starting no. that just yet No Because you do lovely that. things you bring your your family up on stage with you and stuff oh, as well Oh I brought my little brother and sister So cute so Yeah cute. that was a that was a really special day Yeah I, I like, It was also because I had no idea what I was going to say when I got up on stage so <laughs> I was just like you two with me Yes <laughs> Come on I was, they've um, got your back I was I was thinking it up on the way up, Aww. and and are they quite happy to be dragged up like that? Are they? They were they were quite nervous. My little brother was like, well, "What are you doing?" But <laughs> when, when I explained, you know, obviously because I got up and I was like, you know, it's it really is the closest I've come to magic to be up there on that stage and to to experience like that whole crowd and to to be recognised as something that I love doing so much. It was really, really special and so to get to share it with them meant even more to me. If you missed their chat this morning, you can listen at kmfm.co.uk and one of the stars of RuPaul's Drag Race UK is coming to a Kent pub. Bagger Chips, who's a contestant on the show, will be performing at the Riverside Tavern in Strood at the end of the month. Kent Online Sport. Football and Dover have kept their FA Cup dreams alive with a shock win over Southend in the First round. A late goal at the Crabble yesterday afternoon gave them a 1-0 victory over the League One side. Dover boss Andy Hessenthaler spoke to us after the match. Wonderful day, wonderful finish to the game. You know, great goal. Uh, deserved to win. Um, over the 90 minutes I felt we uh, probably should have scored more. Um, so great atmosphere. FA Cup day and uh, you know, like, I, like I just said that cameras are here for a reason and uh, we produce that but the, the players have produced that you know come 12 o'clock I thought they were excellent from start to finish yeah I was confident but didn't want to show that too much confidence to the players because at the end of the day they are a league one side we, I watched them with Nicky Southall against uh, Portsmouth um, there wasn't too much in the game uh, first half very tight and Portsmouth scored before half time but uh, you know but quietly we, we were confident if we started the game right we had a game plan in, in terms of playing in their half um, yes, it might have been a little bit direct, but I thought the quality of our balls going forward were excellent today. Um, you know, at times we did get uh, we did get a little bit sloppy with that. But I think um, when I came in last year, we said we got to play in the half more, and, and we did that, and we got the results. So maybe that's the, the you know again against Eastleigh in the league, we did that, and you know that's the way to go with this group of players. We had some good opportunities. Uh, but just um, didn't really have that final bit of quality, and uh, and then that continued, didn't it? Second half, you know, even beginning there, he's a proper handful. Afternoon, just said to him, the one he's put over the bar, he's come inside. He just needs to take a bit more, you know, take a bit of pace off of that, more accuracy. He will score, and uh, you know, but um, we kept going, and, and finally with the substitution, uh, the young lads come on us and, and scored a fantastic goal. I woke up this morning and quite excited, very excited. And, I wanted to be a player, to be fair, this morning. That's what I wanted to be. I didn't really want to be a manager today. I wanted to be a player. And, uh, you know, I was, I was envious of them boys out there. But we worked so hard this week in training and we knew what we had to do. And uh, fair play to the boys, they produced that. Yeah, I think on that performance today, we'd like a home, home tie, you know, it'd be nice. 
Um, but I think if you're drawn away, then it's got to be with one of the big guns that are in it at the moment. And uh, you know, but you know, listen, let's, let's enjoy tonight. Let's see what the draw brings. And uh, if, we, if we do get a home draw and perform like that, you never know. We could end up in that third round. Elsewhere, Gillingham will have to replay their game against Sunderland after it finished in a draw. The one-all result means Sunderland will travel down to Priestfield next week, with the winner of that game going through to the second round. Jill's manager Steve Evans isn't over the moon about it. If you look at the basis of the 90 minutes, you're not happy. I don't think there's a lot in the game first half. They score. It's a I think it's a deflection. That's what that's what my goalkeeper was telling me. But I think second half we we get into them a bit in the dressing room. You have to come here. If you come to a club like Sunderland, you have to have belief. You have to have character. And I think we showed that a little bit in second half. I think we should win the second half more than one 0 So in the balance of that, I think we're, we're unfortunate with a replay. But we don't kill ourselves. It'll be as tough in the replay as it was there. The disappointing thing at half time was we'd worked in a plan for most of the week how to play here today, and we didn't. Eat. Um, activate that planet possibly any stage in the first half so you have to strip it back to basics we did that at half time we stripped it back to basics we went through again what we've worked on and the other part of the week and how we wanted a response and play like that and, and to be fair I think in large parts we played like that second half we know we'll do battle again in 10 days time it'll be as tough as it was today so they're full of good players you know you're going to need to look at them bringing Watmore off the bench you know last time I seen that kid against me he was going for 10 or 15 million so Oh, it was lovely to see him back. If we came alive second half because we pressed the ball and, and therefore you only gets the ball to his feet and that's he's, he's a real asset when he's got his ball at his feet in those little pockets. And I think if you're a footballer and you play for Sunderland Football Club, it doesn't matter if you step out there in front of three people or 30,000, you have to be motivated to play. Such a wonderful place to come. The draw for the second round takes place tonight. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.